So, is there any way to know for sure, right now, if you are dreaming or not? I don't think I... Yeah, we all come to this conclusion, right, so far. It's like Rumi said, like, the thing you're seeking, you it's seeking you. It's seeking you, yeah. Right. That was before the I, like the sense of individual, whether you are in this physical plane or in astral plane of lucid dreaming, there's still a sense of I. Mm -hmm. But that, it's like uh, where that I comes from. Welcome to the No Point podcast <laughs> with Corey and Tielo. How's it going, Corey? Feeling good, feeling good. Yeah, cool. So this is our second encounter of many talks we've had and try to share our thoughts with the world or just talk for the fun of it. <laughs> It's for us. Forget you people. Forget <laughs> you people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're down there. They're okay. down there, mm -hmm. and the audio is right there. Mm -hmm. All right, so... We were talking uh, earlier about the difference between different states of perception of the consciousness that you can perceive this reality, right? Like the human world but also there are another planes of existence that you can be into, exploring within us or without. And the difference between, for example, dreaming, that we all dream and we are all awake, but they're like lucid dreaming, or it could be astral projection with more lucidity, but there's still the the difference between you even though you are a free spirit and the outside right and <clears throat> i think that in my research i found out that when there is still the difference like the individuation from the existence from the universe you're still in a in a point of view of the universe you are still two right like you are one and there's mm -hmm. a bunch of things outside mm -hmm. but would you say what would you say it's the highest so to speak mm -hmm. way of perceiving mm -hmm. well i'm not going to claim to know what the highest way of perceiving is <laughs> that's the first thing um because anything I share would be only from my experience, right? I mean, I could quote some pretty smart people, you know, and that's easy to do, right? Um, but you mentioned, you mentioned the dream state. You mentioned a few elements that I caught there. And my question is this, just a simple question. Okay. Right? Is there any way to actually know right now and i mean to really really know for sure with proof with a conclusion if we're dreaming or not now don't forget there's pain in dreams physical sensations in dreams 
Smells. There's everything. All the senses are functioning in a dream, right? You have relationships in dreams. You have a body in a dream, right? The sensation of eyeness, you know, that like mm -hmm. you are and some other world. You can even you read a book in a dream and you can see the words as you're reading. Right. right? So, is there any way to know for sure right now if you are dreaming or not? I don't think I... Yeah, we all come to this conclusion, right? So far, so people far. that I've met, right? But in this I, this ego, this identity that we are formed, perhaps of our language, our society, family, our expectations, whatever we expect it to be in this world, in this three-dimensional world, mm -hmm. we tend to generate an identity, and that identity you can perceive yourself in a waking state that mm -hmm. we could say is this <coughs> one <laughs> uh, and you can perceive yourself in mm. lucid dreaming or dreaming mm. but also you can like I've launched uh, I had this dialogue with Nancy Trivelato and she teaches astral projection for 30 years now right Nancy yes you told me about Nancy yeah yeah so Uh, I've come with their with their Academy of Consciousness, International Academy of Consciousness, and they have this really amazing um, way to explain how can you explore from this I, but mm -hmm. not in this concept, but more free, you know, like mm -hmm. planes of existence that doesn't depend on, on this physicality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the of their research, that they have researched a lot of what they experience in other dimensions, other entities that doesn't have a physical body. Mm -hmm. But at the end, they have like this void that they don't know how consciousness arises mm -hmm. or what or where is it, does it end? Mm -hmm. You know, like hi hi hi, and then mm -hmm. they speak about these realms of mental body that it's like without physical form and it's like mm -hmm. everything going in big packs of information in another planes mm -hmm. and they described an interesting thing that they called homo sapiens serenissimus like the the consciousness the more evolved consciousness that it's so serene that they've encountered in the research but they don't know if that consciousness is like at the end of the evolving consciousness or how it was begun mm -hmm. like our individual consciousness and the everyone consciousness mm -hmm. like they don't really know how did it started or is mm -hmm. it going to end like is it going to be the end of the road of evolving and they're like and now what so there's this gap that i think that um from my standpoint of view like the buddhism or the void or the vacuum can help us understand you know mm -hmm. like the that that was before the I, like the sense of individual, whether you are in this physical plane or in astral plane of lucid dreaming, there's still a sense of I. Mm -hmm. But that, it's like uh, where that I comes from, it's like the, you know, like the gap on the many, many people, you know, like they think that they know, but it's hard, you know, to agree on many points of view that What is this? How did consciousness 
Mm-hmm. Is. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> yeah, it's a big question, isn't it? Right. We love what big is questions. what is what is the nature of of that consciousness, right? Something is, is is very interesting because whenever you whenever you ask the question, right? What is present and conscious, right? Mm-hmm. What is present and conscious <coughs> at the same time? What is what is now present and what is conscious? <coughs> Unfortunately, the past is not going to help you at all there. Right? No. no, because it's an empirical investigation into what is arising now and what is aware of what is arising now. Right? Yeah. Right. So going into a conceptual past, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you wh- why I think that's important to make a distinction. Because as soon as a, hum- a human being, Homo sapiens sapien, right, mm-hmm. talks about the past, what's actually happening in the brain isn't a memory. What's happening in the brain is that the brain is sweeping across the cortex, picking up a bunch of bits and pieces, right? And we're talking about bioelectrical chemical reactions mm-hmm. and piecing together, piecing together a bunch of images and concepts and then labeling it as the past. That's what's happening in the brain. And this is current science that, that I know of, right? So this may not be so useful in the, for this question. Right? Yes, the past. So when you, when you ask a question, where did it all begin, right? Well, of course, it always begins here. It begins now, and you know this is the, this is the answer to the koan who dies, right? There's the a koan that only says who dies. Yeah, there there is a question, right? Uh, a spiritual question: Who dies, right? But in order to find out who dies, you have to understand what who the subject is that that is supposed to be living. Y- you follow me? Yes. You can't answer the question who dies without knowing what it is that's going to be dying. Or the perceptor of it's yeah. alive. Exactly. So like ultimately, awareness, right? Like I exist. Okay. Yeah, I exist. Right. What? What? What is conscious and aware? But ultimately, the question "Who dies?" is going to take you, like a little thread, all the way back to who was born. Who was born? Right. Well, and when? this is an unanswerable question. Because you figure out that all of that is conceptual, right? You figure out that all of that is story, right? All of it. Yeah, sure, I have a birth, cert- birth certificate and a driver's license, and I have a passport that has a name on it, right? Of course, I do, right? But ultimately, if all that you can find is present moment awareness and images perceptions and thoughts you're going to ultimately come to the conclusion more or less that you are born right now right and then the ultimate answer is revealed and I won't give the answer away but the answer is revealed in in, in this way but I'm going to come back to one more element that I really liked 
about what you said is like what is it right if you could reach out so you have this this present consciousness right it's present and it's conscious right in order to feel into this experience of being present in consciousness you're without even knowing it doing a meditation called awareness of awareness which is taught in many 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 different schools okay awareness of awareness you're pointing the arrow back at what's <coughs> aware and that's all yeah and we, we use the word back because we, it, it, it just helps it isn't necessarily back or forwards or it's not space time located right but the question that I really really like is if you could reach out and touch and feel that which is present and conscious right now you now have the essence of the question who am I which is the same as the question what is it right you can figure out what objects are your whole life but don't you find it funny that you wouldn't first try to find out what the subject is? That's exactly my point. Right. Yeah, it sounded I'm like I'm amazed it, yeah. like how many humans like this kind of thinking is really important for me because I see most people like taking for granted the self of I and then go in the world and you know like go 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 like everyone is running to get something but they don't ask themselves like what is what what are we like everyone it seems that we at some point of uh, children could be like we have this identity or explanation of the universe could be the big bang or the creation of god or the cigüeña in spanish with like you were brought by the cigüeña you know, <laughs> yeah, by yeah, yeah. cows and you're mm. okay so the cigüeña brought me so in my research, in my dialogues with people, I've encountered that most of them have this sense of I that it's based, you know, like it's really hard to question what the like the foundation of the explanation or the sense of self on the self of meaning of existence. They have it like and they don't think about it. Like, oh, yeah, the Big Bang. Yeah, for sure. One point. <laughs> one point one million times smaller than the pinhead and oh yeah and what where was that point floating who put it there you know <laughs> right <laughs> and it's like right. oh yeah well, the big bang and yeah i am i am a scientist and i know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you don't know we, no we see the, we see the the mathematical equations that prove to us that there, there is such a thing called gravitational waves right it's like okay so where do we go with this right right it's a trip it's a trip right it's really more amazing yeah. that we when, for example, when we are children, we are explained about the water, you know, this, this cycle of water. So when you are, when I was a uh, kid, I thought like, okay, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. So the water um, mm -hmm. comes in down in rain and then it goes up, it moves through clouds. Mm -hmm. But that process, it's really magical, you know, like how mm -hmm. the same substance mm -hmm. keeps water being water from earth. Mm -hmm. And it's like a... How do you say riego? Like, yeah, rain. No, no, like, uh, like field when you are spraying, praying, like, yeah. uh, like an spray. automatic spray through yeah, all spray. over the planet, yeah. and it goes and turns into gas and water and solid. It's really magical, you know. Like the concept 
of sublimation, condensation, or whatever the process. Mm. It's just a concept, but the reality between mm. that magical thing that it's happening every mm. the, the water, for mm. example, it's way more depth than the concept. That, oh yeah, I get the cycle of water, dude. Mm. Do you know that this we thing? Have we have a nana with us here. A nana, the illuminated dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hello, Inanna. So do you think dogs can aim to be humans or humans aim to be like dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we've all been called a dog before. Uh, when somebody sees me like a dog, I become a dog. So. <laughs> you say I'm a dog? I'm a dog. <laughs> so when you were saying about this, um, what doesn't... What dies and what mm. is born, mm. it seems that it's like um, if we think about the present moment, consciousness evolving every instant into everything in the universe, mm. and then mm. it's like that same consciousness decided to experience itself through several eyes mm. and have this eternal self without... I, I There's this amazing quote that you cannot... You cannot die because you are you were never born. Yeah. But it seems that in this mm. eternal I that mm. exists within us, that we are all with one and none, we have this arbitrary start and end during this journey. Like during this eternal journey without existing and existing everything. Mm. Like consciousness has this mechanism of seeing everything for the first time. Sure. You notice how your question is coming back to the first question, which is waking in dream state, right? Yes. So just maybe perhaps there is actually something there to be learned from the dream state, right? Because neuroscientifically, right, we know the brain is usually using the same networks to create the experience of the waking state. There's no such thing as perception. Even the Buddha said this, and this is a quote that a lot of people will miss. It's, it's overlooked. But the Buddha said, perception is deception. What do you mean by that? Perception is deception. Right? Mm -hmm. So follow me on this. We're going into the science, right? Okay, so photons, light photons, hit the retina. And then from that, a really complex chemical reaction happens in the optic nerve to the back part of the brain, to the optical cortex. The images are even flipped. And, then a, and then a couple really, really complicated processes will, will happen electro electrochemically there that will manifest an image or a sound or a sensation in the motor cortex, okay? so So... The idea of perception, I think a lot of the times, I mean, for myself, I'll speak personally, I had the impression that my brain was taking pictures or videos. But that isn't what's happening. What's happening is projection. A movie is being projected by the brain. And what you see is based on what you believe and what you label and something called uh, reification. Reification. Reification is specifically defined as you 
projecting and believing qualities onto an object, any object separate from you, that are essentially and ultimately, ultimately there from their own side, without your mental projection and without your conceptual labeling. That's reification. Okay. You are making something to be absolutely real, separate from consciousness, right? That's amazing. Yeah, and, and, and this is always the first step of ignorance, and it's also the first step of mental suffering. Always the first step. You really believe it's real. You did this to me. You betrayed me. You betrayed me. And there's the reification is the first step. So <clears throat> it reminded me of that. And this, this process of perception, right, literally is projection. According to science, according to our evidence about how the... So, yeah. So... And it's the same for the dream state. The dream state is exactly the same. It's the same process in the brain for the dream state as it is for the waking state. So where is this water you're talking about, right? You see them in my mind? Well, what isn't in your mind, right? It depends how do I define my mind. If my brain... Absolutely, or doesn't it? It, de it depends on your knowledge of the subject. What an object is. Yes. You can never know what an object is until you're absolutely clear on what the subject is. Because the subject is the projector of the object. It's, it's not spirituality. It's science. Why do you think Schrodinger, the quantum physicist, when sure he was asked, when, 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 when Schrodinger was asked, how do you, you explain your findings in, 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 right, in, in quantum physics to a child? And he drew a picture of a universe that is an eye, like an eye. Yes. Right? Ojo. Ojo. An eye with a tail, and the tail is the cosmos with stars and universes. And, it, and the tail comes up, and the eye is looking at its own tail, right? So he, right. Defi he defined his, his, his understanding of the universe as an observer observing itself one observer observing itself no bunch of little separate eyes oh in a unified field where are these separate eyes where are they right and then you also have the unified ecosystem so you might be thinking okay we have water fire air and space mm -hmm. right But in, in, in terms of quantum understanding, right, it's all one ecosystem. That's the field that of, ener of energy, of, right? And even mass has been taken out of the equation, right? It's all one unified field of energy, completely 100% unified. But the thing is, yeah. I just realized that energy, it's defined by science as not a thing but as a the amount of labor to transmute or to go from one state to another but it's not a thing like most of the spiritual people or they say that energy we're 99% energy and 1% matter 
But if energy is not a thing, it's like we're defining ourselves. If we are that energy, we're just this capacity of trans of the same stuff that is not stuff of changing because there's no mass or a thing in energy you know at the microscopical levels yeah, it's r- just right right yeah it's right. not a thing mm-hmm. but we believe and we most of people we describe energy as a thing right right now you you're right back to the subject object split you're you're coming right back and so So what, what, what's I find very interesting, and, and you know, just sharing something that helped me a lot, I, I find. But, mm-hmm. but what was very interesting about Ramana Maharshi in India, the, the sage from India, who was Carl Jung's favorite, by the way, I just want you to know that. That was Carl Jung's teacher. A lot of people don't know that. Carl Jung said Ramana Maharshi is the whitest spot in a white space. Is he like the one? He is the whitest spot in a white space, which is India. So Ramana Maharshi was continuously questioned by his his friends and his students, right? Ramana, you keep saying that the waking state and the dream state are both equally unreal, right? And the question was always the same, right? Okay, sure, sure, there's an unreality to the waking state, right, that's similar to the dream state, right? But when I'm in the waking state and I'm sleeping and I go to sleep, right? There are other conscious observers who can see me while I'm sleeping, right? Yes. Right? And he said, well, yeah, just like it can happen in your dreams, right? He absolutely refused to budge on this, on this topic. He refused to budge. He said the waking state is absolutely no more real than the waking state he said the reason why the waking state feels more real is because you have more body identification in the waking state right and he described the process of false identification right the false identification in the dream state the the, the illusion in, in the in, in the dream state when you're not lucid, because you mentioned lucid dreaming, I'm, I'm glad that you did because it's, it's important. The most important element of being lucid in the dream is you know that that dream body is not you. You know that that dream body is not you and cannot be harmed, cannot be born, and cannot die. It was a manifestation of consciousness only and nothing else. And you have water in dreams, and you have earth in dreams, and you have tamaskals in dreams, and you have ceremonies in dreams, and you, you meet shamans in dreams, you go to meditation retreat in your dreams, right? All of this will all happen in a dream. And what's the source, right? The source of that dream is consciousness. I think it's amazing, you right. know, like the thing that the eye, like the eye, <laughs> that it's going through those like a, like a peephole like an individual peephole yeah. but behind the peephole is a, it's like one eye <laughs> serving itself through different peepholes yeah but that process I find it really interesting right. and I think that it's it's supposed to be uh, a little bit hard to uh, to enlightenment to realization to let go to 
join with the source and with the non. Like it's not like a, the villain that it's us, our ego, and it's a good villain. You know, if it was easy, like if you did like, okay, I'm gonna tap your shoulder and you will be enlightened. It will be, oh, no, come on. I'm the old and the non, like so fast. <laughs> yeah. No, I want two more, you know, like yeah. in the movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the structure Just take the of pill. the movie. Yeah. Just take the blue pill, or is it the red pill or the blue pill? I don't remember. I think it's the blue pill. Take the blue pill. Yeah. Uh, blue pill. I think so. Just take the pill. Yeah, so yeah. you, if you take it, it would be boring, you know? If the same consciousness yeah. is imagining itself yeah. being a wide range of variety and through different peoples, it would be boring. And the question should be, why is creation, why does creation exist? And I will say, why uh, not? Uh, yeah, there we go. You know, you got like, the, 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 that would be my answer. <laughs> I'm not going to say I know, but if I had an answer, it would be why not, right? Look around. Pretty, pretty beautiful, don't you think? Look around. I mean, yes, I don't think I could do a better job. Could, do you think you could do a better job? I don't. No, I mean, I. I, I I've seen some pretty beautiful things. I, I've seen some things that... I could react you know, to the, the bar that was... <laughs> yeah, the rebar. No, it's so they can build another one, right? So it serves a function, but yeah, visually, visually an eyesore. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned something that I was curious about. You said something about... Um, well, the why, right? The why. Uh, the meaning, right? What's the meaning of it? Right? What's the meaning? Like it's, What's it's, the meaning of all this? It's right? really, uh, uh, you know, like yeah. a logical question between mm. the intellect, like, mm. why? Mm. Like, why should I get up morning and try mm. to get some money and blah and please others and mm. follow the same day? Like, why? All right. So I'll take a stab. Why not? Why not once in a while try to put your flag in the sand? Even, even if it's in the sand, <laughs> right? So there's a few interesting elements about existence. Number one, we all know it's precious, right? We protect existing living things from being harmed, babies, people in distress. We protect ourselves from harm, right? We, in general, uh, we want to live. We prefer life over annihilation or mm -hmm. death. I mean, you think about a cancer patient and how much pain and suffering they go through just to survive it, right? So existence, your existence, right? Naturally, my existence, right? I love it, right? And out of all the things I could have in the world, right? Ultimately, I would come to the conclusion that to have more time would be the one thing that would be the most precious, right? So uh, a dying person, right, mm -hmm. who happens to be wealthy would give everything they have for one more year, right? They'd give it all away, wouldn't they? So existence is what we love the most. 
So, could it, could it be that existence is love, and love is existence, and our existence is our being, the capital B, and we love it the most? Could it be that this existence, we love it the most because it is love? Our, our existence gives us happiness, and because it gives us happiness, we love it. And the so way these, it is. these three things, right? Being, happiness, and love, could they be one, right? And so from that perspective, what's the meaning of existence, right? There is no meaning for me. Existence is the meaning. And it happens to be happiness and it happens to be love, right? And it happens to be what I would call the self with a capital S, right? We always love ourselves the most, right? But ourselves in the wider sense uh, of the self. In a much wider self, in, in a kind of existence-based existence. And that existence that you're describing about love being happiness existence, because it's a really interesting thing how every creature has this survival instinct. Yeah. You know, that yeah. you will rather run, like it's on the default network, or something yeah. actually it's not it's not in the ego it's not the the the, the uh, like I'll just I'll interject with this one little ant. thing it's 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 actually in a different part of the brain so so the part of the brain that is involved in keeping the body alive and homeostasis and getting food and and finding an adequate uh, partner or mate or you know partners that help each other and take care of each other in this way or a tribe all of those functions are not in the default network network of the brain where the self-referential narrative arises is actually in the reptilian brain is it more like a bio biological yeah like it's automatic? a built-in it's it's a built-in system that comes with the body that was what i was uh, it's hard it's hardwired saying about yeah, uh, the, the default network not the default network of yeah oh, oh, but it's oh. like a default programming it's a much more default like I agree with you there. With yeah. ants and yeah. cockroaches and spiders, that every creature has yeah. this instinct of survival. You know, yeah. Yeah. if you threaten, they will run. Right. And right. in that beautiful uh, default programming in the base of the creature of each creature, it's our desire to to live. Because if you, we didn't have that, if we if you could go with someone rubbing you and just like okay, pull it. Yeah, and pull it and pull it and everything pull it and then one it's like no no one is afraid to die like uh, and no one like I I think like life wouldn't be without this instinct of survival that it's implied in every creature. Yeah. For yeah, example, yeah. if you were aimed with a gun like mm -hmm. right now and yeah. says you have three seconds, dude, one, two, three. Yeah pretty heavy moment right you wouldn't run you wouldn't try to hit me I can't project I, 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 I on that but I will tell you that I, I did have a gun pointed at me um, in in Paris in the in broad daylight and they were asking me me for my money the contact is the contact the context is important because I had been harassed by beggars and people that were grabbing my sleeve and, sh and stuff like that when I was in Amsterdam before I got to Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sort of fed up at the, in this moment 
that that this that this 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 guy caught me at, I was really fed up, and actually, it, I only had a couple days left before I had to take my flight back, mm-hmm. um, and I only had two hundred francs left for those two days. So um, my reaction to him was, un- unfortunately, some really, really nasty words in French. The worst insults you could spew at a human being came okay. out of my mouth. And I told him, I said, you know, how stupid are you to point a gun at me? Look at me, right? Why don't you go stick up somebody who has money? Because I obviously don't look like I have money, right? And I walked away angry. So that's what happened in that moment. So you didn't feel fear of dying? You I felt like... the fear after. Okay. When I got onto the metro, then I was in a, a sort of feeling like, well, I, that was close and felt a little edgy, whatever. But just in the moment, in the, because of the context, my reaction was anger, you know. But the funniest thing about it is, the funniest thinking. thing about it is, is that as I was walking away from him, he tried to bargain with me. Okay, just give me 50 francs then. Right, like he pulled the gun down, and okay. he was still pointing the gun at me. And do you think it was a real gun? It was. It was. It was. Yeah, I could see that it was a real gun. Yeah, it was metal. It was a metal gun. Yeah. So, it's it's hard to project what would happen in a situation, right? Like like that, right? So, yes. Um, But I think, it, actually, we were talking about with the dog, like if. Like being with animals, <coughs> like for example, one special dog from a friend of mine that it's called Paz. Her dog is Marron. I really think <laughs> not Mammon, Marron, Marron, Marron. So I really yeah. tell her that I think that he's like a Zen teacher, you know. Yeah. I once read a dialogue between uh, an Hinduist, you know kid that was being brought by a Did you say Hinduist? Uh-huh, Hinduist. Okay. Hindu kid, yeah. And uh, a kid that was being taught by a sand teacher. So the Hindu is like, oh, my teacher knows how to move sand and he moves clouds with his hand. And what about you? Mm. Your, t- your teacher, is it awesome? Does it mm. And he was like, my teacher eats when he's hungry and sleeps when he's tired, you know? Yeah. yeah. And looking at the dog, you know, like it, it it's like so intuitively in the present like if you see a dog rest he's really resting without any thought mm-hmm. if he feels threatened he will bark without any like fuck that like mm. like active mm. without any thinking process and it's like natural as your anger you know when we're not like what should i do like when big begin to think about we how we can act and it's the the marvel of spontaneous how do you say spontaneity yeah spontaneous presence yeah. like just act yeah. if yeah. it's required to be strength yeah. you go and be strength if you want yeah. to be relaxed you're relaxed and yeah. yeah we have all the technology to be yeah that's my experience uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah i've no, i've noticed that spontaneous uh action and like it's shocking um it's it's shocking as you as you know you, you've done pretty deep work you, you may have seen these moments when there's there's action without any thinking at all and it's so funny that i never recognized it before like you you you're in the kitchen and you open the cupboard you know to get a glass and you drop it but then you catch it in midair with the same hand <laughs> 
drive to Corey's place and I think that was me because I felt I had the choice of not coming and going to Mexico City for example yeah. or coming and yeah. I think like yeah I'm gonna do this yes like that <laughs> I think it was myself but it was going to happen anyway well let me ask you this right uh, a quantum physicist at the science and non-duality conference was, was asked this question right okay. uh, he was the keynote speaker Right, but he doesn't give speeches, so he said, "As you all know, I don't give speeches." So, any questions? <laughs> and the first question was, <laughs> I love it. "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Interesting, entertaining fellow, but he. Uh, somebody said, "Does free will exist?" Right. He said, "Of course, free will exists." Right. Of course, it it exists. Just not for a human being. So he said, in order for free will to exist, right, you would have to be in control of the arising of a thought. So the first question is, right, how do you think? Do thoughts arise spontaneously or do you control their arising? Ah, well, some people will say this, and these are the compatibilists in, in, in philosophy, right? They're going to say, but yes, we're not in control of the arising of a spontaneous thought, but we're in control of our decision on whether to act or not on that spontaneous arising thought, right? Yes. But what they're overlooking is one super, super, almost unquestionable fact, that the decision to act on that arising thought or not is uh, yet. Uh, yeah, that's my water pump. I can turn it off. I think it would be... Yeah. Cut. Or, <laughs> or we can leave it, I don't know. Like... So that is another arising spontaneous thought, to act or not to act on the uh, first arising thought. So going back to your story, I, didn't mean, I took a bit of a tangent, but going back to your story, this thought... Yeah, I'm going to do it today, right? Did you make this thought arise? I, it, it can have the sensation that I did. It comes with a feeling. I, yeah, that, yeah. I know, it comes with you a know, very like a, unshakable analyzing feeling. Analyzing a situation that, oh, should I go? Do I have time? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And then you analyze, and then you go to like, aha, I'm going to do this. You know, like when you are, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, okay, aha. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually the thing you're saying, it's related to a film I am uh, producing. I have been writing it like for six years now. And it's called Corente, the mix between heart and mind in Spanish, Corazón Mente. But I, the thing you're saying, I saw, have you heard of the Heart Math Institute? Yes, I have. Yeah. I saw a friend of mine is actually trained in, in the heart math. Oh, I would really love yeah. to dialogue yeah. with him as well. Yeah. Invite them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in that moment, they are they run several experiments, and they say that the heart, like they can measure that it has like five thousand more electromagnetic force <coughs> at the brain, mm. and that there this like intuition that that doesn't come from the from the intellect or the, from the rational mind comes could be coming from the heart when you know. I remember that they put an experiment when they saw like pictures randomly pictures. And there were um, 
measuring the I, I think the heart and the mind and everything but the heart knew before the image appeared that it was coming a disturbant image like the heart started to sh to shake or to rattle before something yeah coming it was like if that center of perception we could speak like that from the heart it's like ahead of time like it was that like it was like the thing you were discussing but mm -hmm. i remember i just heard that it could be another kind of brain you know that it's not rational because in mm -hmm. here we it's like alan watt said that you always picture yourself like behind your ears in between your eyes right you know like somewhere no uh, specifically somewhere in the middle in the middle somewhere like in, inside there right here but like it's at the level the of center. the eyes you know because yeah you yeah know, yeah. If your eyes move, yeah. you feel yeah. that you yeah. are in between somewhere there. My question is this, what's watching that? That's exactly my point. Or what's projecting that? Right? Could be the projector and the perceiver because the for example, yeah. I was talking to a friend that the idea when you create something, it's an amazing process that you have this idea in your mind and you try to achieve and to express it in this dimension. But it's not only you get to that, like, for example, I don't know, Tarantino, a film director. That yeah. He can have oh, Christopher yeah. Nolan, that he wrote for 10 years the script for Inception. It's like an abstract thought that he's like, he's the only one that can see it until he managed to get energy from other people to express. And we all can share how mm -hmm. a story, you know, like expressing, it's a really alchemical process, like creating mm -hmm. an idea. It can be through words, through dancing, through movies. But that, it's that, like, great inspiration. I've, I've, like, when I'm writing, most of the time I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's this good or this is bad, but sometimes I'm, like, starting to flow. And there's, like, this abstract process that doesn't go by me, but it goes through me. It, it it's it happens to me also when I talk, you know, like mm -hmm. when I'm in a flow and then mm -hmm. I don't care and I hear something cool and I'm like, oh, that was great. It's <laughs> like the yeah. first time. Like, Just pump myself. <laughs> pump myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah. But it's not from the thinking or mm -hmm. doubting process, but it's like, like yeah. inspiring from the source of ideas. Yeah. yeah into creation but it's with the without the eye without the judgment of yeah. trying to think and it just theos. flows so inspiration inspiration is connected to the it's etymo etymologically is connected to the the i believe it's a, either latin or greek word in theos which is god inspired right yeah so yeah the the the, the feeling of flow it, it, in my experience, is like that. It, it's a feeling of being connected to a much bigger source of intelligence. And I'm not going to say I'm feeling separate from it because that thought wouldn't even arise in that state. You're just so absorbed. In whatever activity yeah. we are practicing. Yeah. That's what's, why it, what's interesting about this, about this flow state, which I, f I find very interesting because um, when, when I started Zen practice, like formal Zen training, I didn't. I didn't know what they were doing. I was clueless. <laughs> what, the, what I was clueless what, to what the practice was about, <clears throat> you know. Um, but after, after um, 
A day-long retreat? I made a connection to something that I was like, oh, it's the same thing. And I asked the, the, the Zen teacher about it, and she, she just said, yes, yes, that's it. And I, I, said, I said, when I am writing a song on my guitar, and I write the song out, the song just comes completely preloaded. And it just goes, and it comes out. And I notice that I'm really not there when this, pro when this happens. The song pieces, pieces t itself together perfectly. There's no way that I could consciously create that. And there's an awareness of this, of this state <clears throat> of the song just comes through. Right? That's right, yeah. And I was like, is that what we're doing here? And she said, yes. Yes, that's what we're doing. And then subse subsequently, many years later, you know, with a bit of training and instruction, right? You notice what Zen is about. Zen is about being in that state every moment, even when you're scrubbing the toilet. And I remember the first time it happened to me in the very first Zen retreat. Um, we have an hour to do our work, and I was cleaning the bathrooms. And you have to move because you're sitting so much that movement is so delicious to move and sweat a little. Like, you're, oh, it's, it's, it's a lot of relief mm -hmm. from doing a lot of, of quiet sitting. Um, but I started cleaning the bathrooms and I looked at the clock and I was like, okay, we've got an hour here. All right, I gotta go fast, whatever. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden I looked up at the, I heard a bell, bing, and I went, Who's ringing the bell, right? What are they ringing, ringing the bell for? We, we got like at least 45 minutes to go. And I looked up at the clock and the clock said 7 a.m. An hour had passed by? I had no conscious awareness of that hour. I was enjoying so much scrubbing and polishing the shiny chrome and making everything look nice and shiny. I was like, wow, it's so shiny. <laughs> Look at how shiny it is. Oh, I love it. Let, me, let me get this little spot over here. Without these thought about worrying the lights about went time. On. The lights went on. And you that, went into... And I was like, I wasn't writing a song. I was cleaning a fucking toilet. Right? I'm like, that's what they're doing here. Oh, why didn't they tell me? <laughs> right? You know, so... I'm not going to speak spiritually or about God in this in this place because there's no space for that thought in that space in that place. You're absorbed, Mindless. right? You're absorbed when you spend time with someone someone you adore. You just have this rapport, this affinity, this connection. Um, you have so much to talk about. You lose your concept of time and space, and you're absorbed in what. Csikszentmihalyi, right, called Flow, and he wrote a whole book about it, beautiful book. Um, you're in flow, and you're, you're, you're in, in this flow state in the is a very blissful state, very rapturous, very, 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 very juicy place. And, and I've always longed for that, and to be provided with a way through, whether it be through what you're doing, through retreats or, or dark, dark retreats, 
whatever they may be, or right. Um, I think we're all in agreement that we're we're really training ourselves to be in this in this flowing. You know, or just recognize it's already flowing, and you're in the way. <laughs> you know, or your thoughts are in the way. Did I show you this? I think I did, right? I don't think I saw that one yet, no. So this is an image that perhaps yeah. uh, most spiritual seekers are in here. You know, I had to meditate and want to be awake. And then the two become one and none. And being done, oh, should I sleep again? So it divides it itself into two, you know, like Shiva Shakti. And then, oh, this is great. Oh, my God, you're beautiful. Come here, baby. Oh, I can't take you no, anymore. Oh, no, no. Life is mm. suffering. Oh, I need to yeah. awake. It's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> if only you would change, I would be happy. Yes. And, mm. and that's why I think most of the people that are on the path to awaking, to search something better than this moment, or to be better, or to be awake, doesn't remember or doesn't realize that at some point perhaps we decided to sleep being awake and being the one and the nun is like uh, should i get another eons another couple of multiverses going on just to sleep a little while because if you are it there's not much happening but being beingness mm. and i think it should be great because that i think that as you and i have discovered that dimension of stillness or, or non-existence within, you know, in mm. practices, as you told me in the in the in this bathroom polishing, shining. Yeah, and that it's the thing that it's okay. Like it really is because there's nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to achieve, nothing to hang on to yourself. Nothing to change, nothing to be better, but it is, and it is now. Mm. But it's like you said at the beginning, like your conscious attention to this, the 10,000 world, the 10,000 form world, you know, like our senses, and we're fascinated, and we're worried, and blah, blah, blah. But it's this always stillness that it's, mm. we could, how would you say, like, refugee, or mm. like to go to that when mm. things are going really messy or really agitated in the in the exterior, you know, <laughs> if, the, if there's no uh, projection, you know. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's cool that you showed me that. It's a beautiful image. Um, you know, thanks for sharing it. It was good timing because it, 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 and what you just said really made me remember something that that I think is really cool to share because it's in it's it's current it's current neuroscience which is yeah yeah that's, it's a nice <laughs> image yeah so for about seven years I worked with um, a teacher who would never call himself a teacher by the way but I worked with a teacher uh, called Gary Weber PhD the scientist himself um, for anybody who's interested happiness uh, dash beyond-thought.com to download all of his books for free. So he was actually part of a, a study. He was, he was part of a, what, what was called persistent non-dual study. So I'm going to paraphrase the research a bit because I don't remember the numbers, but um, basically Judd Brewer, PhD, he's one, he's one of the more well-known uh, 
neuroscientists studying meditation in the world. He's, he's written some great books, some, written some wonderful books um, on, on dealing with anxiety and whatever. Um, but basically, like in the world today, there's the two biggest names in meditation research are Richard Davidson, who is part of the Mind Life Institute, one of the Dalai Lama's friends. Um, they started the Mind Life Institute together. And the other guy is Judd Brewer. So Judd Brewer uh, did, the, the, did this research. He was trying to find as many persistent, non-dual uh, human beings in the world. So basically, these, these are Homo sapiens sapien, mm -hmm. Homo sapiens sapiens, who actually experience the majority of their waking state in what we would call a non-dual state, right? Um, and the non-dual state is basically the absence of a, a separation between subject and object, right? Would you say that that should be wired ourselves when we're like one month old? Well, that's actually like a very interesting question because... Don't know you know where the eye begins. It's a very interesting question because actually, um, accor according to, to developmental psychology, uh, depth psychology, you know, the, wor the work of Winnicott and all of these people, yeah, they were able to basically say that um, children start to develop the, uh, a sense of subject between the ages of one and a half and two and a half years old, around then, and th that's when the tantrums start, that right? No tantrums. Tantrums? When the kids freak out and cry and kick and scream. And okay, when yeah, they yeah. get this sense of I. Yeah, the, the subject is created, right? Like, uh, you wouldn't... Yeah. Really know when your mother starts or when your right, pure right. or your fluids. And it's like could be like yeah. perceiving like one big thing, like incredible, like you know, like yeah. one thing changing everything until that was Dan Schmidt when he in his documentary of Samadhi said that when you look when someone tells you that there's a birth, that's the last time you will see a birth. Yeah, the labeling Since that, of it, yeah. you yeah. will only see a concept. Yeah, right. That's a bird. I know what that is. And the and wonder, think bird, the wonder of this expression of grace and bird song and flying and <laughs> right, is completely overshadowed by the label. Oh, I know what that is. And then looking away. Yeah. Right. It's the kind of the same deal of the cycle of water that, oh, I know. And the I know, it can be... Lead, can lead you to a meh. Oh yeah, yeah it's the universe. Yeah, right. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I know the mountains. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, know. Oh, I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you mean. Yeah, right. and I think oh, that yeah, I know what you're saying. No, you don't have to finish your sentence. I know what you're saying. With the concepts. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This, this filter of, of don't see reality. It's we a smoke see screen or projection. It's a smoke screen. All of it, like a veil. Yeah. Veil. All of those concepts are smoke screens. And the funny thing is they're not ultimately there. And that's, that's the, you know, it can be the frustrating part of the practice is, is being completely fooled again and again and again, over and over and over again by concepts. <laughs> oh, you motherfucker, you <laughs> fooled me again. <laughs> uh, I wanted to share one last thing about what you okay. jogged my memory about because it, it, was, it, was it was the one thing. So, Jud, so Judd Brewer, he found... I think something like 200 people who identified themselves as persistent non-dual experiencers. Okay. Right? And he studied them. And he, he, he screened them, all of these so-called 200 non-duals. 
right? And out of the 200 non-duels, only actually <coughs> only actually 30 of them were actual, right, non-duels, persistent non-duels. He, he scoured the world and can only find 30 people that were persistent non-duels. And the other ones, so, the, the funny thing is, is the other ones thought they were. The other ones thought they really, really believed that they were. They really believed that they were, but they weren't. Because then, of, uh, of measuring chemical things or... Oh, he, uh, with, an FMRI, with an fMRI, they know it all now. They can see the default network activity. And the default net network activity is all activity about the past or the future or you being a self as opposed to others, objects, or the world. So that network, when it's quiet, they can see it on the fMRI. It's clear. It's very, very clear. You can't hide on the fMRI. You can't hide, right? It's all there. <laughs> you can't hide. You can't hide, right? So out of, out of the 30 persistent non-duels, right, Gary Weber's brain was shockingly leagues more, more present, functionally present than the others. In fact, when Gary Weber came into the lab, right, and walked in and they hooked him up to the scanner, which is all the electrodes all over the scalp, yeah, right, yeah. all over like this, um, <clears throat> Judd Brewer was like, Gary, um, are you meditating right now? Looking at the screen, right? Gary's like, no. He's like, Gary, your, your default network has like no activity. And Gary's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been like that since 1998, right? So we and, then, and then Judd Brewer says, okay, this is going to be a problem, Gary. Gary's like, why? He says, well, in this particular study, all of our subjects and all of our controls actually have to try a meditation that we measure. Right? Gary's like, Judd, I can't. So I have to it. act like I am not meditating to start meditating again? Or <laughs> he was like trying Judd, so hard to. Judd, <laughs> Judd said, Gary, you have to meditate for this. <laughs> Gary was like, Could you all right, Judd. Meditate a little bit. <laughs> Gary was like, all right, I'll try. Right? I'm going to desire to think about the future yeah. past, future past, future past. And the past. funny thing is, is that as soon as he, he was trying to meditate, the default network activity went up a little a little bit all of a sudden just a little bit like that but then eventually gary was like this is useless went back to his it's called the natural state sahaj the, the sanskrit sahaj. word is sahaj sahaj samadhi right? there's ni ni nirvikalpa nirvikalpa samadhi is being absorbed in meditation with no thought but sahaj is your natural state the state that Ramana Maharshi was in, that Buddha was in, that perhaps Jesus was in, so on and so forth. We could name all the names, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then, ju th then after the study was over, and I, uh, the funny thing is, is I actually saw this on, on uh, I saw this on a, on a blog post. I saw this on the forum. Um, I saw Judd Brewer actually post uh, a comment because uh, Gary posted a blog post about this study and, and he posted the brain scans, right? He posted yes. the scans, the fMRI scans. And you can see absolutely no default network activity. None. No self-referential narrative. No narrative about a self. And then Judd Brewer posted below, right? 
Yeah, thank you for your help, Gary. Uh, I was very, very, very happy to encounter the most functionally present brain I've ever seen so far. Awesome. Uh, and, and so this functional presence has everything to do with self-referential -ref narrative. It has to do with how, much, how many thoughts you're having about the past or the future or about yourself or objects or others. Right? I think it would be like finding yourself, right? Like I think so too. Like go, go, finding go, your and real try self. to see books and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And yeah. when it hits you, like it, oh. Yeah. So like Rumi said, like the thing you're seeking, you it's seeking you. It's seeking you, yeah. Awesome, Corey. So yeah. I think we can call it off a dialogue in these beautiful mountains. Yeah. I am really happy of doing yeah. this with you, the No Point podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no say no importa podcast. Yeah. Importa don't, podcast. don't know who cares podcast. Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, man. So yeah. thanks a lot yeah, for having me in yeah. this amazing place. All, all the best of luck with, with, with uh, Vasio Cononda and I like what you're doing. It's always great to chat. And, and we should keep nice doing this online yeah. or in presence. Anytime. I'm, I'm willing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, Thank bro. You. Thanks.